Great job, Chase and Gabby. Thank you all. As I look back over God's work in and through us this past year, seeing um, our students and our praise team in particular um, take on the challenge of stepping up and leading out uh, really has stands out to me as, as the greatest um, privilege that I've been able to be a part of. And I'm just so thankful for how many of you are serving and engaging not, in, not only in those ministries, but but all the ministries that the Lord has led us to engage in in our church. So thank you so much for that. Today's scripture reading comes out of the Gospel of Luke, the fifth chapter. I want to invite you to turn over there with me. Uh, you'll see the page number uh, on the screen for the Pew Bible. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures and want to read along with us, you can turn over to that page. But in honor of the reading of God's word, would you stand with me as we read together out of Luke chapter 5. And we'll read together the first 11 verses. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake Gennesaret, which is also called the Sea of Galilee, by the way, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught a large number of fish, so large that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me. Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So the reading of God's word. You may be seated. As you are, just a heads up, we don't have kingdom kids for our little ones today. We will resume that ministry next week. Also, I want to just acknowledge uh, this morning, we have a special guest with us, Kevin Meilenberg. Kevin, you want to come on up? Kevin uh, is our director of missions. We, uh, we as a Baptist church, along with other Baptist churches in our area, partnered together for ministry gospel work. And the person who is oversees that uh, fellowship of churches is Kevin. And his official title is director of missions of the Gambrel and Gonzalez Association. And uh, he actually brought something for us today. I'll let him share a little bit about that. Thanks, Pastor Matt. I wasn't on the program, but uh, just a plaque to remember what's going on today. This says, celebrating over 160 years of ministry, the churches of the South Central Baptist area and the Gambrel Baptist Association congratulate the congregation of the First Baptist Church of Kennedy, Texas, on this unique celebration of over 160 years of faithful ministry to the people of Kennedy, Texas and surrounding area, January 22nd, 2023. Matt. picture that too? This is so cool. Well, hey, we'll have to put this. Our his, historical team put together. Uh, Jan led the charge. I'm sure she had help. 
I don't want to miss anybody, but Donna and some of the others on the historical team helped put together a table in the foyer you'll see that has some history about our church. You can check that out. As uh, Kevin said, over 160 years, God has been faithfully working through this congregation. And uh, this plaque uh, will get added to that. And one kind of neat thing to, to let you know about is Kevin made this plaque with his own hands and tools. And so he didn't, we just, all, all the rest of you that got plaques, I just bought that. You know, I didn't, he made this. So that is so cool. Thank you, Kevin, so much. Appreciate that. Thank you. I want to invite you to pray with me again before we dive into God's word together. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, we are just grateful. You have demonstrated in this time and in times past how you can work through people like us. We are uh, God, in the world's eyes, maybe not special or important, but to you we are. Uh, God, you, in and of ourselves, we can do nothing of eternal significance, but you work in us to accomplish your eternal will. God, we are just so thankful, and we celebrate you. We're not celebrating ourselves. Even as we, God, honor those in our congregation, we're honoring your work in them. And God, we just uh, are in awe that, that you care for us, that you made us and we matter to you. And God, we come to this time and this service and we give thanks that you want to communicate to us. And you do that in a lot of ways, but primarily and most clearly you communicate to us through your word. And so as we approach it this morning, God, I pray that our, our mind's attention would be just given over to you. There's so many things we could be distracted with and thinking about and lists that we're making and worries that fill our, our minds, but we just turn those over to you. And we ask that you'd help our attention to be given to you. And what you have to say to us, God, as members, as uh, guests, as a church family, as a whole, what do you want to speak to us about today? And God, as your servant Jesus gave us uh, the language uh, that you are sowing seeds on our hearts and that our hearts would be soft, that our hearts would be, would be ground that is receptive to hear, not just that mentally we could understand but in our hearts, we would want to receive what you have to say to us. That we would wholeheartedly embrace the truths you are speaking to us today. And God, that we may take these truths with the intention and desire through the power of your Holy Spirit. We would live out what you show us because it's not enough just to understand and to desire your word. God, you call us to live your word. And so we pray that you'd help us to take what you want to share with us today and help us to live it. All this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, as y'all know, the joke goes, there's a reason why they call it fishing and not catching, right? I remember when my, uh, my, uh, my sister-in-law did a little uh, trip to go fishing, a little guided uh, trip to go fishing out out in the Gulf, and uh, I've done that a few times, and, and we're out there, and, and uh, Jackson was there. He probably doesn't remember this so long ago. Her kids were there, and, and everybody caught fish except for one. Can you guess who the one was? That's right, me, me, and I see everybody reeling in fish, even the kiddos, and I'm just like, you know, what am I doing wrong? Well, first of all, I'm just not a good fisherman. I mean, that's just the honest truth of it. My pride was dented a little bit, but, you know, as a whole, nobody thinks of me and thinks of a great fisherman. If you know me well, you know that's just not my thing, you know. And so it didn't bother me all that much I didn't catch a lot of fish because that's just not my deal, all right. But I think about in this story, that is Peter's deal. Not only is it something that he was known for in their area around the Sea of Galilee, 
But he had a thriving fishing business, evidently, because it wasn't just him. You read in the scriptures there. He's got partners in this fishing endeavor. And so that's what he was known for, was being a fisherman. That's how he made his livelihood, was by going out and casting his nets on the Sea of Galilee. And I've shared this before, but years ago I had the privilege of going to, to the promised land and, and being out on that water and being in a, in a boat and, and even seeing a, a boat they pulled out of the water that was much like what Jesus would have fished or what would Jesus would have taught from, what Peter would have fished from, right? That holds only about five or six people. They go out there and they use what's called a tremble net and it has floaties on the top that keep the top net uh, uh, above and then they'd have weights below. They'd drop the weight or drop the nets all the way to the bottom and it have three nets and the first net would have big holes where the fish could swim in and then the second and third net would have smaller holes so when the fish could get into the net they get trapped in the net and get caught there and then they'd bring in the nets and that's how they would catch their fish and that's called a tremble net and so I'm learning all about this because I don't know anything about fishing I already told you that but I know how to Google so all right, and so they, that's how they get their fish. And you know, you're gonna have bad nights. And just like you know, I had a bad fishing experience, fishing but no catching. Peter and his crew had a bad night. Now you'd fish at night because if you fished during the day, the fish would see the net and they would avoid the net, right? So you fished at night so you could get the catch of fish that you needed to support your business and your life. And they had a bad night. They didn't really catch any fish. And so you bring it up, you bring the nets up, and then you got to clean them. They get gunk all over them, you know, debris and seaweed and all that kind of stuff. And they got to clean it off so the fish can swim through those holes. That's what you did during the day. And so here Peter and the other disciples after working, uh, or the other fishermen, they're not disciples yet. They're about to be disciples when they answer the call. But they're gathered after a long night of work, hard work, by the way. Because you'd think, well, you just drop the net and you just wait around. No, see, what they would do is they would use these boats that didn't have motors but had oars. And they would use the boats to go across the sea and drive the fish towards the net. So just a whole night of rowing. Could you imagine? A whole night of rowing and it produced no results. How frustrating that might be. But he didn't let that keep him from being there with Jesus to hear what Jesus had to say. Even an exhausting night of work, they come in to hear from Jesus. And Jesus is there as a teacher. And the crowds, as you read, they're getting so close around him, Jesus has to push away from the crowds a little bit. And the natural way he saw to do that was to jump in one of these boats. And then he sat. And that, as many of you may know, that's the natural position of a teacher in Jesus' day was to sit and others gather around to listen. We kind of do it the opposite, right? I'm standing, you're sitting. I kind of like the old way. I would like to go back to that. That kind of, sounds kind of nice. I could just sit here and all of you could stand the whole service, right? But that's how they did it back then. So he's sitting on the boat. He's teaching. People are in awe. And, and he's just an incredible teacher. We know that. And we're learn if not, you're learning that as we read the Bible together that this is one of Jesus' great ministries. Not only was he a, a miracle worker and a healer, but he was a phenomenal teacher, right? And so he is teaching God's word, and everybody is just in awe of that. And then after that, something interesting happens that you followed along, so you know what happened. But he says to Peter, let's go fishing. Now, again, keep in mind, this is the middle of the day, right? So it doesn't make sense to go out fishing in the middle of the day because that's not when you catch fish. They're just going to swim around the net. Now, Peter knew that, right? Peter's uh, partners knew that. Uh, Jesus, I'm sure, knew that as well. 
But he was, you know, maybe they could say, well, you know, he's a carpenter's son. Those carpenters, they don't know anything about fishing. You know, they should just leave it to the experts. We know fishing. And Peter easily could have said, listen, it's been a long night. We're tired. This is not, you know, we didn't catch anything when it was dark, when fishing was good. We're not going to catch anything now when the sun's up and fishing is just going to be worse. And we're just going to wear ourselves out. Forget it. I think kind of on the context clues, that's what Peter wanted to say, right? He says in verse 5, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Translation, I don't want to, right? But what does he say? There's a but in that sentence. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you say so. I wonder if you might repeat that with me. Say you say so. Try. Oh, y'all are awake. Look at that. I'm very impressed. Very good. And so Peter says, because you say so, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. And so they get in his boat and they go out. And you see what happens. They get an enormous catch. The nets are, are about to break. They got to get help from their other crew to bring the second boat out. They fill up the boats. The boats are, are, are sinking into the water because they're so full, which would be a, the very moment they need Peter's full attention, right? You ever have to do that with your kids or grandkids? Full attention. Pay attention right here, right? Listen, this is important. We're about to sink because of all of these fish. But in the midst of that, Peter, and we read later, all of them understand something incredible is happening. This is not just a lucky fishing trip. This is not even a great night of fishing where we used our skills and abilities and look, we catched what we should have caught based on who we are. This is something incredibly unique. In fact, what they saw was that this had to be an act of God. And the person in this boat with us must be the son of God. And anytime you come near to the greatness of God, one thing happens is you realize how great you're not. Whenever you come near to the glory of God, it right sizes who we are in comparison. And so what does Peter say? Peter realizes Something about Jesus that maybe he had some inclinations about, but now it stands out clearly. This is the Lord. And he says, go away from me. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Jesus didn't listen to him. I mean, he heard him, but he didn't send Jesus, or Jesus didn't send Peter away. Instead, Jesus says to him, first of all, calm down. Just relax. Don't be afraid. That happens often in the scriptures when someone encounters God or a messenger God or hear the Son of God. When we stand in awe and, and fear overtakes us, that God has to say, it's okay. Don't be afraid. And then not only that, but he says from now on, you will fish for people. You will fish for people. Now, Peter and the others as well, I, I don't want to leave them out because they are named here. 
Uh, this is rightly so titled, and keep in mind the paragraph titles, those are added later. Those aren't inspired by the Word of God, but they're often helpful. That this in Luke is telling us of the calling of the first disciples. And a disciple is a word that means someone who's a learner. And a rabbi like Jesus is someone who's known as a teacher. And so they are called to follow and learn from Jesus. And I see in this section of scripture, in this incredible story that God has given us, I, I, I see two things that could have knocked Peter off track, but by the grace of God they did not. The first thing that could have knocked Peter off his tracks was confidence in what he knew specifically regarding fishing. This whole experience, might have, he might have missed it, literally missed the boat. I just thought of that. Come on, that was good. Come on. That's a dad joke, sorry. But he could have totally missed it if he would have said, you know, Jesus, why don't you come back tonight? Why don't we just wait? Listen, you, you're a carpenter's son. You don't know about this stuff. But we're fishermen. We know you don't fish during the day. We're probably not, they probably weren't even done cleaning their nets. You just need to give it some time, right? He could have totally missed it based on what he thought he knew about fishing. And I think that happens to us sometimes. God calls us into discipleship. He may call us into a ministry. He may call us into a, a, a vocation. He may call us into a number of things. And he says, I'm calling. And you say, but I know better. I would hate for us to miss the boat because of what we think we know about what we should do or what we are doing. I think we have to hold with open hands all that we do, all that we are, and say, God, it's up to you. Just like Peter did, and I want to give credit to Peter, but most of all, credit to the work of God in Peter's life, that Peter would say, yeah, I mean, this is what I know, but God, you're saying this, so I'm going to go with this. Not with what I think I know about fishing, but what I perceive I know about you, I'm going to trust you. And so that's what Peter did. There's a second thing that I think could have thrown Peter off, but it didn't, by the grace of God. Not only what he knew about fishing, but what he knew about himself. Not just what he knew about his skills and abilities uh, on the sea, but, but what he knew of himself almost got him derailed. This time he is in the boat. He realizes in this miracle, only God could have done this. That means this guy in my boat Jesus is somehow connected to God. I think in, Jesus, in Peter's moment, I doubt he understood all of Jesus' identity. But he knew something. That we could not have gotten this catch if God had not provided this miracle and God used this guy to do it. And this is incredible. Listen, when you read the miracles of Scripture, you may think, well, that's a long time ago. They just believe anything. No, 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 no. Look at the response of, pe of people in the Bible when they encounter miracles. They're as, sh as shocked and surprised as you and I would be. Peter is so in awe of what's happening, he doesn't pay any more attention to the boats that are sinking and the work that's being done to try to save their lives or save the fish at least. No, he, he turns to God and he says, Lord, away from me. Why? Because I'm a sinner and I don't belong in the presence of God. What he knew about fishing, his occupation, his skills and abilities, what he could do and what he couldn't do, almost kept him from responding to the presence of God in his midst and following the path of discipleship, but also what he knew of himself. 
And he was right. He is a sinner. He was right to say, I'm a sinner. And Jesus seems to just brush that off as if like, yeah, I know that. I'm calling you anyways. Some of you will miss the call of God on your life because you are so fixated by your failures. But God is not saying get fixated on your failures. He's saying get fixated on me. See, what Jesus has come to do is to take all those failures, yours and mine, take all of our sins, yours and mine, and put them on the cross and say, I'm paying the penalty for it. You're free. So what I get from what he's doing in Peter's life is saying, listen, you're right, you're a sinner, but there's really good news. I'm a savior, and I've come to set you free. Now let's get to work. I've got work for you to do. I've got a calling for you to fulfill. And that's not special to Peter. Every Christian, you and I, when we come into faith and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, you receive a calling. You receive a gift of the Holy Spirit. You receive ministry, work to do. God is calling you. He is calling you to be a disciple. And you can get caught up in what you think you know about what you can do and can't do and what your skills and abilities are and what your schedule can handle and what, what kind of time and energy you can put towards the discipleship God's calling. You can do that, but you may miss a miracle of what God wants to do in your life. Or you can get fixated on all the ways you failed God and all the mistakes you've made and all the sins you can't seem to get over. And you may miss this calling. But I want to encourage you, like Peter, to, to say, you know what? But because you say so, because you say so, I'm going to set aside what I know. Because you called me, I'm going to follow you. And I wonder for you this morning, maybe for some, that calling is those first steps of discipleship. In other words, it's a calling to believe. It's to, it's to trust that what Jesus did for you was enough. That when he died for you, he died for your sins that you might be forgiven. That when he rose again, he rose for you that you might have eternal life. It's that first step in discipleship. In other words, the first step into becoming a Christian. And maybe you've been holding back on that, but today God says, follow me. And you would say, set aside all the things I think I know, and I will follow. For others, maybe you are a Christian, but there's some things God is calling you to do, and you're just, you're holding off. Again, it's what you think you know about yourself, your sins, your shortcomings. And you say, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And in a way, like Peter, you're right, you can't. Guess what? God can in you. If you will do what the Lord helped Peter to do, which is to say, I will follow. Because you say so, Lord. And if you will do that, there's no telling what God might do in you. As he calls you to give the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus. And word and indeed. If you do that, if you surrender what you think you know and embrace what God has told you, the adventure of a lifetime could begin for you. But often it starts with saying, quieting that voice in your head that just wants to argue with God. And say, yes, God, I understand what you want me to do, but, 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 I know, I know, I know. 
Maybe we need to lose our confidence in ourselves and what we think we know and gain a confidence through obedience in God and what he can do. Let's pray. Father God, uh, one of the things about this story that just strikes me is these are just ordinary people like us. And all they said was yes. God, I, I pray that we would just say yes. Whatever it is, whatever the call you have placed on our life, whatever the work, the ministry, the steps of discipleship, that first prayer of belief, God, that whatever it is, we would just say yes. Help us to say yes to you. And your call in our lives to be your disciples sold out for you. Help us to say yes to you today. This is what we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.